Hi, dance friends. This past week, a legendary dance artist was quoted saying the following about continuing his dance career into his 80s. It's about playing the instrument you have at the moment. Can you guess who said it? Find out at the end of this episode of the Dance Edit podcast. everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the Dance Edit Podcast. Hooray! <laughs> um, I'm Margaret Fuhrer, Editor-in-Chief of Dance Spirit. I'm Courtney Escoyne, Associate Editor at Dance Magazine. And I'm Cadence Danen, an Assistant Editor at Dance Spirit Magazine. And this week we'll be discussing how the coronavirus has impacted the dance world so far, ballet star David Hallberg's major move, and Justin Bieber's new dance-driven visual album. Uh, but before we dive into all our top dance stories, just a reminder that this podcast is actually a companion to our daily email newsletter, which keeps you on top of all the dance world's news in one minute a day. So go sign up for the Dance Edit newsletter at thedanceedit.com. Uh, now let's get into our first story. So obviously the continual spread of the coronavirus is dominating news headlines right now. Uh, the dance world has begun to feel the effects of the outbreak too. Members of the Shanghai Ballet returned to work last week after an extended Lunar New Year break wearing surgical masks. Uh, in Salt Lake City, performances by the ubiquitous Shen Yun Dance Company prompted xenophobic social media posts by local audience members, even though the company is actually based in New York City and banned from performing in China. Uh, earlier this month, Richmond Ballet was forced to recast its production of Swan Lake after the two dancers from China who were scheduled to play the leads were unable to travel to the U.S. due to coronavirus concerns. So let's talk about all of that and then also about what the U.S. dance community has been doing to prepare for a coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, so the Shanghai Ballet story was actually really interesting. Um, if memory serves, only about 10 of the total dancers have made it back because some of them were home in towns where travel is much more restricted. Yeah. And then the ones who are back are now rehearsing and performing wearing surgical masks, which is something that I can say from personal experience. Can you even imagine doing that? I mean, I, I actually have done this. Oh. Um, I performed in a piece when I was an undergrad where part of the costume was we had surgical masks. Oh. And it was only an eight-minute piece, and it was That's one of the most... That's choreographer. <sighs> I would get off stage and, like, peel it away from my scene, and I'm like, okay, okay, breathe, okay, back on, let's go. And it just, it was so tough, so I so feel for them saying how much tougher it is from a cardio perspective. On top of all the other stresses I'm sure they have related to coronavirus. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the Shen Yun story a little bit, because local health official, officials were actually quashing rumors linking the dancers to the coronavirus because they had recently toured to South Korea. There were so many inaccuracies spreading. And also they hadn't right. recently toured to South Korea, and they're based in New York, it's and just they, so... they can't go to China. It, yeah. I don't think any of us have any sort of great love for Shen Yun. I mean, they're basically a propaganda outlet masquerading as a dance company. The mainstream world knows them best probably from the memes making fun of their super aggressive advertising. <laughs> I um, mean, I do love the memes. The memes are great. But all that said, no organization should ever be subjected to this kind of racist behavior. Let's stop that, please. Um, and then the, the Richmond Ballet story is also interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, they had two amazing dancers that were supposed to be coming from China to perform the leads in their Swan Lake who weren't able to make it. And I think like that is, I think, showing a little bit of the potential economic effect of this. Like, not to sound too much like my general Queen Elizabeth Warren, but that's something that people should be kind of thinking about preparing for. The Broadway League already issued a statement about being prepared for the coronavirus, expecting it to potentially impact the Broadway community. That's going to be for pretty much any performers with a larger audience. Yeah, and if you uh, want more information about that, uh, Dance USA has been doing a ton of prep work. They are gathering resources um, also over at dancemagazine.com. My colleague Lauren Wingeroff has also collected a lot of that advice, both for protecting yourself as a dancer who cannot work remotely <laughs> in, you know, if there's an outbreak. Um, so how to protect yourself as a choreographer, thinking about that, and also as a presenter, thinking about how it could impact audiences, et cetera, et cetera. Stay safe, be smart. Okay. <laughs> Wash your hands. Wash your hands, please. Don't wear masks. Apparently they don't really help that much unless you're already safe. Sick. <laughs> Um, our second news story, moving on, is about one Mr. David Hallberg. Uh, the world-famous American Ballet Theatre principal just announced that he will become artistic director of the Australian Ballet in 2021, succeeding longtime director David McAllister, who's been there almost 20 years. Um, Hallberg has a few performance commitments remaining through 2021, and he's promised us a proper farewell show with ABT that summer, but then it sounds like he's done dancing. Um, Hallberg is no stranger to the Australian Ballet, which we can talk about, and he said before that he's interested in art an artistic director role, but we're feeling big feelings about this. Are we ready to let him go as a performer? I would say, like, personally, I'm not ready to let those feet go, just, like, <laughs> on their own. Like, that's devastating to me. When I feel like we just got him back. Yeah, exactly, after that terrible injury. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean series of... <laughs> injuries honestly um i mean if you've read his memoir like the fact that he was back dancing at all is insane and also hugely thanks to the incredible world-class medical team at the australian ballet mm -hmm. which is where he spent 14 months rehabbing before he made his comeback in 2016 and his comeback performance was with australian ballet as well so you know there's a lot of links between his time back in the dance world. Put that memoir on your reading list, everyone. <laughs> oh yeah, if you haven't, it's incredible. There's actually, uh, I have such fond memories of seeing him dance Giselle opposite Alina Kujikaru at ABT, oh. and he wasn't supposed to, he was subbing for Erman, and in one of the chapters he talks about that performance as being like incredibly painful because oh of what gosh. was going on with his ankle. And I remember reading that and being like, that was one of the best things I've ever seen. <laughs> Are you kidding, sir? Um, I mean, I think we're all excited and curious to see uh -huh. what he will do as artistic director at the Australian Ballet. He has been director of the ABT Incubator, which is a program for emerging choreographers for the past couple of years, and has done some interesting things there, brought in some interesting people, including mm -hmm. our colleague, Kelsey Hurls, mm -hmm. which is neat. Yeah. Um, but I think it's quite a jump from a two-week choreographic incubator yeah. program to running a full-time company. I guess it speaks to his longer-term ambitions. Mm -hmm. Maybe for he has... Other, other things in mind down the road in terms of artistic director roles. Well, and it's also not the first time we've seen ABT stars suddenly make the leap <laughs> post-retirement to uh, artistic directing at Definitely a company. Not. Hello, Ethan Stiefel. <laughs> Hello, Julie Kent. <laughs> Hello, Angel Correa. Um, yeah, the ABT diaspora is pretty impressive. Well, much remains to be seen. We're rooting for you, David, although we will miss you on stage. Mm -hmm. Very much. So moving on to our third story of the week. Um, this week, Justin Bieber dropped the first four videos from his eagerly awaited Changes the Movement visual album. 
And when we say he dropped them, we mean that in the sense that he dropped them straight from dance heaven. We got videos for Habitual and All Around Me on Monday and Come Around Me and Intentions on Wednesday. Um, all featuring some of the commercial dance world's most exciting dancers and choreographers. And I'm supposed to open the floor to comment here, but <laughs> fair warning, I'm just going to take it back because I'm fully obsessed with all of this. And I know that Courtney, you especially do not share my sentiments here. I'll just sit here and look cute. That's <laughs> great for podcast. Okay, I'm just going to come into this conversation as a self-proclaimed One Direction stan, but I can, re you know, re respect the boy band queens, so I'm going to go there. And it is exciting. You know, Justin is really always here for featuring real dancers. Like, it's his name in the first time, you know, in 2015, his music video for Love Yourself featured my ever-favorites, Keone Amari Madrid. Mm -hmm. And it was just incredible watching them was, do their thing. That was part of another visual album, mm -hmm. the Purpose Visual album, which included all kinds of fabulous stuff. But so let's talk about these four videos in a little more detail. The habitual video was choreographed by a long star, long time star of the commercial world, Tassandra Chavez, mm -hmm. friend of ours, and features eight standout dancers acting out some toxic looking relationships <laughs> backstage and on stage at the theater, making the showmance look very darkly glamorous. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious about whether from a cinematography perspective that was actually a one shot, the way it looks, or if it was just edited to look that way. If it's an edit, it's an excellent edit. I'm <laughs> yeah. very impressed. Uh, then the emotionally intense All Around Me video, which was choreographed at, by and stars Philip Chabib alongside his real-life partner Mackenzie Dustman, generating some sparks. Absolutely they have a series amazing. of interactions with a pair of moving walls that feel very like Star Wars trash compactory. I mean that. <laughs> I mean that as a high compliment. Best <laughs> I was not expecting you to be the first person to bring in a sci-fi reference here. Whoa. Uh, and then on Wednesday we got Come Around Me, choreographed by So You Think You Can Dance, the Next Generation winner Keita the Great, who's now all grown up and that was giving us the purge vibes we were saying earlier Literally. and then intentions choreographed by longtime Bieber collaborator Nick Demora who also directed all of these videos um, so new videos are apparently dropping every Monday and Wednesday and there are a dozen more tracks on this album so still a lot to come we hope um, and yes bless the Biebs for always you know highlighting dancers and also crediting dancers mm -hmm. everyone these YouTube videos cites the choreographer and every dancer in it in the description Thank you. More of that, please. Yeah, why is, why is that not standard? The fact that we're like saying like, oh, it's amazing that you do that. I no, know. this is what everyone should do. But the amount of time that I spend like, where's Waldoing dancers yeah. on social media after a video like this drops usually, I mean. Ugh. And now I can stalk all of them in one fell swoop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. I won't torture you with that anymore, Courtney. <laughs> Thank um, you. Now we're going to take a quick saute through some other noteworthy dance headlines of the week because it felt like there was a lot going on this week. A lot of news. Yeah. Cadence, you want to kick us off? Sure. So our first headline is that the finalists for the Clive Barnes Awards were announced last week, and our dance nominees include New York City Ballet's India Bradley and Roman Mejia, Kelly Drobnik from the Twilight Tharp Dance, and ABT soloist Aaron Bell of First Position fame. Yay, <laughs> Well, yay, all of them. <laughs> Uh, two, as we all catch our breath after what can only be described as an insane week of primaries, uh, because the 2020 candidates cannot seem to stop themselves from showing off their questionable dance skills, a clip of Tom Steyer dancing to Back Dad As Up uh, has been, shall we say, confusing the internet. And speaking of viral internet things, pop icon and general queen Doja Cat recently released a music video for her hit single Say So that includes a performance of the TikTok dance inspired by the song, and she even went so far as to invite the teenage viral TikTok sensation Haley Sharp to join her in performing it. Love. And Haley's the creator of the dance, mm -hmm. is that right? Yay! Amazing. Credit to creators. Excellent. Love that. And some good news brought to us by Twitter. 
uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's first ever directorial project, a Netflix adaptation of the musical Tick, Tick, Boom. It's an autobiographical musical by Jonathan Larson of Rent fame. Uh, began filming this week, and as we learned fairly recently, it will be choreographed by none other than Ryan Huffington. Yay! Of Sia and assorted other... Euphoria. The OA. Yes, Euphoria, the OA, that's right. We are clearly obsessed. See, I get to get my sci-fi references in here. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like anytime the commercial world needs somebody who's just a little bit weird, like offbeat, they're like, oh, Ryan, come on in. And he's like, (laughs) oh yeah. Oh yeah, I got it. (laughs) So lots to look forward to there. Uh, great. So let's close things out with a little throwback Thursday walk down dance memory lane, um, courtesy of the Verdon Fossey Legacies Instagram account. Last Thursday, they posted a letter that iconic choreographer Bob Fossey wrote to Dance Magazine back in 1986. It is, in a word, perfection. Cadence, do you want to do us the honor of reading the letter in full? Do you have it? I do momentarily. Okay. <laughs> um, so it was written to the editors of Dance Magazine, and it starts... Dear Sirs, there have been many cruel, heartless, and inaccurate statements concerning me during the course of my career. However, I find a line in your August issue the most painful. I was 59 on June 23rd, not 60. Please show mercy towards old dancers. Outraged, Bob Fosse. P.S. The rest of the article is swell. So good. Oh, I love it so much. Um, Courtney is actually the Dance Magazine archival guru, and she was able to go back and locate both the letter and the story that prompted it. Can you give us the, the jazzy details? Yeah, I'll give you the old razzle-dazzle. Uh, <laughs> so this letter to the editor was actually published in the December 1986 issue of Dance Magazine in the Reader's Forum section, uh, exactly as written. And what prompted it uh, wasn't just any story, it was actually a cover profile on Mr. Fosse uh, that ran in the August issue that same year. The 59-year-old, not 60, (laughs) appeared on the cover alongside Valerie Pettiford and Barbara Yeager, who were at the time performing in Big Deal, uh, which was a Fosse musical that he wrote, directed, and choreographed as well as Allison Williams and B.B. Newerf, both of whom were appearing in A Revival of Sweet Charity. Uh, So the occasion for the article was, it was essentially profiling the choreographer on the tail end of an exceptionally busy Tony Awards season. Uh, So big deal, which was extremely technically ambitious, and, you know, as I said, the first musical that he wrote, directed, and choreographed uh, was nominated for five Tonys, ended up winning for Best Choreography, and then the revival of Sweet Charity, starring someone you might have heard of, Debbie Allen. I don't oh, know. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, that revival was on Broadway. It won four Tony Awards, including uh, Best Reconstruction, which is the forerunner to today's Best Revival, and Actress in a Supporting Role for B.B. Newerf. Uh, Debbie was nominated. She lost to Bernadette Peters. Which, oh, well, if you have to lose to somebody, you lose to Bernadette Peters. <laughs> Uh, and so the story interviewed a number of Fosse dancers from Gwen Verdon to Anne Ranking uh, about working with him and the evolution of his style. In the course of the article, he told us, if I have changed the musical, it's been a side effect. I've never tried to alter it. All I've tried to do is to be a good showman. Aww, uh, and it ended up being quite a timely story because that best choreography uh, Tony that he won for Big Deal was the final of nine Tony Awards that he won oh. in his Broadway career. Uh, for the record, eight for choreography, one for direction. <laughs> oh my goodness, you are like a walking dance magazine encyclopedia. I love it. Total terrifying. <laughs>
Thank you very much. Um, so before we sign off this week, here is the answer to our quote quiz from the very top of the episode. This past week, a legendary dance artist was quoted saying the following about continuing his dance career into his 80s. It's about playing the instrument you have at the moment. So who said it? Gus! Gus Solomons Jr., <laughs> one of our all-time favorites. Um, oh that was part of a Dance Magazine article about three dance artists over 60 who are performance lifers. They're just mm -hmm. going to be on stage until they're gone. Yeah, Gus is 81, still doing his thing. Also, <laughs> if you're listening and you've never seen video of him uh, performing with his puppet, Lil Gus, <laughs> do yourself a favor and Google it. Uh, Gus, but Gus is just such a delightful human. He was actually my composition teacher uh, my first year getting my BFA. Yeah. And yeah, it's just a delightful story. Hi, Gus. Hope you're listening. I love you. <laughs> Well, thank you everyone for joining us. We will be back next week for more discussion of the news that's moving and shaking the dance world. I'm never going to be sorry for that pun. <laughs> um, and be sure to sign up for the daily Dance Edit newsletter at thedanceedit.com. Thanks, guys. See you next week. The Dance Edit podcast is a product of Dance Media, publisher of Dance Magazine, Dance Spirit, Point, Dance Teacher, Dance Business Weekly, and the Dance Edit newsletter. Our hosts are Courtney Escoyne, Margaret Fuhrer, Lydia Murray, and Cadence Neenan. Our music is by Celestine, with special thanks to Broadway Dance Center. Find out more about the Dance Edit and subscribe to our daily newsletter at thedanceedit.com. Thank you.